everybody said. Amen. Yeah. All right. Woo-hoo. Yeah, good to see you all. Glad you're with us. And I didn't say y'all. I said it's good to see you all, just so you know. Uh, but if you're in the middle school, we're uh, doing that for you all down there. I did say y'all there. Uh, there's Jennifer, and she's going to lead you down there to, to take care of you guys. Thanks for being here. I'm excited about everything that's going on today. Just want to give you a heads up real fast. Um, we do have an app. If you turn on notifications, you'll know what's going on. Hopefully, y'all are listening to me on the platform as well as you're leaving. Turn on your notifications. Read the app. Read your weekly bulletin. It tells you that today after service, we have Rodeo Sunday. And we have a chili cook-off that's happening. We have hot dogs being grilled out there pretty soon. Oh, we're going to get out there when they're hot, don't worry. And uh, chips and water. We're going to have ponies out there. We're going to have some other things happening. Just to clarify something for you, we do not have a mechanical bull today. Uh, now, it's okay. I wanted to give you all a chance. Um, so we don't have a mechanical bull this year, and it's the first time in, like, forever that we don't have one because uh, no one in Tucson owns one anymore uh, to rent it out. And the only place that had one was Phoenix, and it was a lot of money to bring it down for just a little bit of time for me to take the trophy home again. And so in it being a good... If you're new here, don't worry about it. It's all good. You know, it's, this is all in fun. So I, I thought, you know, being a better steward of things, we should not do that just because it was a lot of, it's a ridiculous amount of money to bring a bull down. And um, I wanted to give everybody a chance today. So what we're doing is we're doing something different. Well, I told you last week we're going to have horse races, and we are, and it's for all ages, and you're going to be able to ride in a race. It's an obstacle course race, and it's, you're going to physically get on a horse uh, and ride this course, and you're going to be safe. You already signed a waiver, so we're fine. Um, you need one of these, we need one of these wristbands uh, and sign that waiver back there so we're not liable for whatever you do. Uh, so, you know, it is going to be a physical horse. It's not a living horse, just so you know. So don't, don't worry. And you'll have pillows all around you so when you fall off, you're safe, okay? So that's why we're doing this. You'll see what's happening later. It'll be fun. We have gift cards for those that win the race. In the end, we have a timer, and we'll give you a gift card to Texas Roadhouse. We have a kids, uh, we have fifty dollars in kids bucks for the kids and uh, kids XP if they win. So we have prizes for you. We have prizes for the chili cook-off, for the best that uh, is made and all that stuff. So just so you know what's going on, it's going to happen immediately after the service. It won't start till we dismiss. So you don't have to hurry up and get out there to get you know your ride in or get your hot dog or your chili. Uh, it'll all happen. You don't have to worry, we're all good, and it'll be a fun time, and thank God for the beautiful weather that he's given us to be able to be out there and enjoy that time, yeah? There's jump castles for the kids as well, an obstacle course, y'all. It is for the adults as well, so things are a little bit different this year, but I'm all committed to change, so that's what we're doing. We have ministry opportunities for you. We do have the live stream covered for the Gospel Rescue Mission. Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome as we got starting to project over there, live stream every service. So it's like a campus over there. And we're, yeah, we're so excited that God has opened that door for us to do that. The reason I'm sharing that with you right now is because my wife and I and James and Lindsay, uh, James is our sound guy, Lindsay is our uh, chair of our finance committee, part of your church here as members. We traveled up to the village of Oak Creek. Uh, over the last few days, met with some people there, uh, prayed with them, had a conversation and a time of them asking us questions, sharing things with them, looking at their facility. Uh, they desire to possibly become a campus of us, a satellite campus of CFF. And so we're praying about that. The reason I'm bringing that up to you right now is if you would pray throughout this week, asking them right now, God giving them direction. They're assembling right now. And uh, as the body that is there, it's a very small nucleus of people, but their heart is to see that place transformed. It's a spiritually dark community. If you know anything about the Sedona region, it's all about the New Age and the messed up garbage that goes with all the crystal thinking, um, you know, all the spiritual garbage that's out there that try and deceive people away from Jesus. It's all over up there. But there's believers there, and they're trying to let their light shine. And so we are having that conversation, and we're praying, we're seeking God to ask him what his direction is for us as a church. So I have a board meeting this Tuesday with our board. You all are members of the church. You elect a board to serve 
and I chair that board, and so we'll be discussing that on Tuesday and praying throughout this week. They will make their decision this week if they want to join with us, and we will be praying to rather know God's will and either accepting that or not by next Sunday. There's a reason it's next Sunday. And we will begin immediately live streaming our service to those people there. So what we're asking, church, is that we would simply seek God's direction. We don't want something else to do. We're not trying to expand us. We want Jesus to be seen. We want to know what God's will is. So I'm asking you to join with us in prayer throughout this week that we would know God's will in this. There's been no checks by the Holy Spirit up to this point. Uh, We continue to progress forward in prayer, seeking his face. And if God so wills, we'll do it. Uh, If he doesn't, we'll step away. But we want you to join with us in prayer, okay? We appreciate you guys doing that. God's doing something, isn't he? He's so amazing. It's awesome what's going on. If you haven't even been watching the news and you know that God's moving, and the campus of Asbury is where God's spirit began to move. Uh, what's cool is uh, some, I was telling somebody, they're not calling it revival. Those that are spiritual leadership of that school, they're not saying, hey, we're experiencing a revival. What they're saying is we're experiencing a, an awakening. So what the difference is, is the fact that there's an awakening to our need of God. It begins in God's people as we repent and we turn to him and surrender everything to him. A revival is when that awakening begins to transform lives around it and its impact is not known for years to come as you look back that's a difference so right now there's an awakening happening and it happened at a normal service just like this chapel on the campus just having their normal chapel services but the spirit of god moved in that place after the service was over a group of kids were gathered in the front they began talking together they began to worship the spirit of god fell and they began to repent out loud of their sin and falling on their faces before God, the news began to spread throughout the campus by social media. Others began to come to the chapel, and immediately when they came in, the presence of God was so strong that they began to pray and cry out to God and weep and repent of their sins, and God continued to move, and that's been going on now for several days where people are coming in and God's doing it. Yeah. No, it's cool. And it's spreading to other campuses. Many, many years ago, I was saying to the congregation, like, I believe that a move of God is happening and it's going to be in the younger generation. I do. Uh, the church has screwed it up. We've messed it up. We're not like, yeah, man, I mean, just God is looking to move and, and there's just a need. And I'm so humbled and excited. Just a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you before any of that happened, not, this isn't about me. Listen to what I'm saying. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I said, I pray daily for a move of God at CFF. And a couple of weeks ago when God said, I am moving to me, it's like, I am. It's like, I had my own expectations of what I perceived to be a move of God. And he's like, I am. People are being obedient. The spirit of God's moving. Hearts are being changed and people are responding to God. That's what a move of God is. And so we're seeing that and I'm like, yes, God, let that sweep across our nation because CNN, NVNC, whatever those people are that are all messed up and need Jesus, They're out there covering this. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it cool how God does stuff? Those guys that are completely against him, not all people that work there are against him, but the main theme is behind it. They're not for God, right? Come on, let's be real, all right? But God is moving, and I'm super excited about that and just saying, God, keep it up. Just do your thing, and let's follow his lead and see what's up. All right, let's do it, guys. All right, so as we're doing this, we're going to move into the scriptures today. And I want you to know, uh, this is not the way we normally dress for church, if it's your first Sunday or you're watching us online. It is Rodeo Sunday, and we're celebrating what happens here in Tucson every year. We have a week-long process of rodeo. Kids get off school. It's prayed this Thursday. Uh, the main event is next weekend. And we want to kick off the week ourselves by embracing what, what's part of our culture. I think it's awesome, and it's fun. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Just stop for a second and hear that. I want you to know that when Jesus was preaching and teaching, he wasn't like giving his own agenda. He wasn't there to like say something new or bold into the face of culture. He simply spoke the word of God. And when he spoke the word of God, people came. I want you to know that, see, people want to know the truth, and God is truth, and God's word is truth, and so when we speak God's word, it will attract people to the truth. 
And Jesus is doing this, and the crowds are coming, and the Word of God tells us that Jesus was not a handsome guy. Nobody was drawn to him because of his charisma. God's Word says that, you know. In the book of Isaiah, it says when he comes, we will not be seeing him as someone that is handsome or good-looking or anything. He was just an average guy. So it wasn't like a natural draw. It was a God draw. And it was because of the Spirit of God and the Word of God that people came. So cool. I love that. So let's see what's going on here as we read this scripture together. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Peter replied, We worked hard all night, all last night, and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. We're coming to this moment right here, church, and this is a a moment of truth in Peter's life. Here is a critical moment where Jesus says, Right now. And Peter has a choice to make. He has to surrender, trust, and obey. I bet you didn't see that one coming. (laughs) He had to surrender what he heard, trust who was saying it, and then act in obedience to what was just told to him. Now, church, it's really and critically important for us to see this because, you know, Peter is a fisherman. Jesus was a carpenter. When, P- when Jesus walked up, Peter didn't know who Jesus was. Here's as we look at this scenario that's going on. Jesus says, I want you to go drop your net over there. And in Peter's mind, it's like he says to Jesus, we've been fishing all night and caught nothing. I know the waters and this is all process and I'm just stepping in and ad-libbing Dave for Peter. I just fished there last night. There ain't no fish. I'm done fishing. I'm tired. I was up all night. I already washed my nets. They're ready for tomorrow. I'm processing where we're going to go to actually find some fish. And now you're telling me to go right there and drop my net? Seriously? Because I know. Okay. So in this moment, Peter has a decision to make. Am I going to go against what I know, what I've experienced, what I've already processed, I'm already worn out. I don't want to do it. I'm all set for tomorrow, and I'm ready to go home to bed. But he has to do it. So you heard what he said as we read the scriptures right there? Excuse me. But if you say so, I'll let down the nuts again. So his surrender, trust, and obey wasn't, yes, sir, let's do this thing. It was one of those, well, if you say so. Have you ever given one of those responses to someone? See, because your heart's not in it, because you're not like, it's like, mm, you know, most of what's inside of me says no to this, but if you say so. Okay, so now as we think about this, and we're processing through in Peter's mind and what's going on with him, um, Peter did this for a living. This is what he did. This is who Peter was. He was a fisherman. So everybody knew who fisher. Fishermen were, like they were fishermen, right? Okay, so everything that's inside of him knows that that was a waste of time because he's already been there and done that with zero results. Now he has this opportunity to surrender and actually do something that doesn't make sense to him whatsoever. So now Jesus says, no, you're going to do it right over there. Do it. Okay, I guess so. Let's make it happen. So we see the surrender, trust, and obey of Peter as he acts in obedience to what Jesus says. And we continue reading that story in verse number 6 of Luke 5. And it says, And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Isn't that awesome what God does? Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's so awesome how God is, right? All right, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. 
as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I want us to see this. It's amazing, isn't it? When you see that, the first surrender, trust, obey moment in Peter's life was, if you say so. In his obedience, God had an opportunity to move. And when we allow God to move and be God, God will move. And the evidence of God moving just so struck him in his soul that the next surrender that we see of Peter is like, whoa, I don't even belong in your presence, man. You see the difference between a guy who thinks he knows everything to a guy that realizes he knows nothing. One that says, I am in control and I know what's happening in life and I know the water and you don't. To a guy that's like, man, I know nothing and you are way above me. I'll do whatever you say to the point where he just like, I'm done. I'm no fisherman any longer. I'm walking away. Whatever you say, I will follow. This moment of truth, church, as we see this, to willfully follow, no longer taking control of my life, my actions, my decisions. It's like, I'm all in. Peter says, I'm in, I'm yours. And he begins to follow Jesus. Now, as we look at this, I see this as something that is beyond critical for you and I. Church, you got to realize this. A simple lowering of nets in a place that he knew there were no fish transformed not only his life, the life of the people around him, but mine and your life today. You and I have our lives changed as a direct result of Peter's obedience to follow Christ. Because it was Peter who led the disciples. It was Peter who preached on Pentecost. It was Peter who led the church. It was he who established what we are practicing today in his commitment to Christ as God filled him with his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. God transformed the entire world through Peter and the other apostles. But Peter was the leader of the apostles as he followed Jesus. Such an amazing thing that we look at right here. So... We're going to pause here for a second. Think about Jesus right there. He picked Peter's boat. You think he knew what he was doing? The other boat was there. He specifically picked Peter's boat and said, Peter, push out. I'm using your boat. Why? Because Peter was a leader. As we progress through the Gospels and you see the life of Peter, you all know this if you read your Bible, Whenever there's a conversation, Peter's the one that speaks out first. When something is happening, it's Peter that's at the front of it. When Jesus was walking on the water, remember, it was Peter that said, if that's you, let me come to you. Nobody else said that. It was Peter. And he jumped out of the boat to go to Jesus. He did sink, but he still walked. But it was him, right? And then when you go to the garden and they're coming to arrest Jesus, when you're reading the account, you'll see it was Peter who took the sword out and began to fight. Jesus told him, put your sword away, Peter. It's not this time. Listen, when we look at that, we see this guy who was a leader. Peter was a leader, and people followed. And so it was intentional when Jesus called Peter to push his boat out. It was intentional when Jesus gave Peter the directions to do what he said, because Jesus knew that when Peter said yes to follow, others would follow. He's amazing, isn't he? I mean, it's like, God's so cool how he does this. It's like, I love it, you know? So he knows what's going down. That's all I'm telling you. So when you have the leader, others naturally follow. I, um, I've spoken at various times about my horse spur, and I know that's a weird transition from fishing to horses, but it's Rodeo Sunday. Let's do this, okay? <laughs> it all ties together, and God's amazing. I love it. So I have spoken to you at various times about my beautiful mare, Spur. Um, she'll be coming across the screen, I think, there in a second. <clears throat> so, yeah, she's stunningly beautiful, I know. You can just do, like, go ahead. You can just do, oh, yeah, yeah. Amazing, yeah. So she is the joy of my heart in, in the horse world. Uh, my wife is the joy of my heart, just so I'm going to make sure that she knows that. Um, you know, but like, when we, I, I, it's kind of funny. This is a joke, but it happens. Like when we're walking out in the yard, I go, hey, babe. And she's like, are you talking to me or the horse? I was like, uh, you? <laughs> 
That's happened multiple times. And she's like, can you stop calling the horse, babe? Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, that truly has happened multiple times. Anyway, let's talk about spray for a second. Uh, the, the <laughs> yes, she can pray for her. She appreciates it. So here's what we're doing here. So uh, just a real fast, like, little snippet that most of you have heard, but maybe some of you haven't. You know, I bought spur over 10 years ago. Uh, in utero, so that means her mom was pregnant for I didn't know what she was. Uh, we went looked around the country. I was looking for specifically what I was looking for. I prayed to raise a baby myself, and I've always been a dream of mine. And so uh, I saw the stud, and it was a beautiful Palomino. He's gorgeous. Saw the mom, big, solid uh, bay. And I was like, you know, whatever comes out of them, I'm buying it. And I put money down. But God knows my heart, and my desire was since I was a kid was to own a buckskin with no white, with a dun stripe down the back. Uh, I was like, that is the supreme horse to me. And God painted her in that womb. <laughs> so when she was born, uh, the people called me in the morning like, she's on the ground and you have your horse that you were asking for. And I'm like, God, you're amazing that you would care, seriously, that much, that you would even paint the color on a horse to fit my dream and desire, and there she is in all her glory. And I just want you to know how amazing God is. He's so, so amazing that he would care about something like that. It's really nothing. I would have taken her no matter what. I, I wanted whatever came out, but God knew. I didn't know if it was going to be a male or a female. Obviously, I didn't know what it was going to be. God did, and he had an intentionality in what he did. And so I have this horse right here in front of you named Spur. And so I named her Spur. And so when I would go and see her, uh, so I, I'm like this, okay? You, you guys probably already know this about me, but I'm pretty um, passionate about whatever I do, and I'm kind of obsessive. So like when uh, she was born, I was like, I want to be there, and I, wanna, I want her to know me when she is breathing air. And so we drove up there. It's 95 miles each way to where she was at. And I would drive up there once to twice a week just to be with her. And so I would drive my bike up there at times. So as she was growing and progressing in her age, because they have to keep them until they're weaned, six months old at least, and so I would go and see her. She would get used to that, you know, and I've got my hands on her and touching her all over and doing all kinds of stuff with her and talking to her. Sing to her, I'd pray with her in the pasture. I know, you know, seriously, I would. And so we're, we have this relationship. Well, there's a whole herd of them out here, and the mares are being taken out to wean, uh, and so finally end up with just the foals of that year's crop. And there's 10 of them in this pasture. There's a few over here, but these she's part of. So when she would hear my motorcycle, because I'd ride my bike for the gas mileage and all that, and I like riding it, so I'd go up there. And uh, as I'm riding my bike, she would hear my bike, and she would be out in the pasture, and she would run to the gate, like knowing that I'm coming. I'm for real. I mean, a lot of people don't think that's true about horses because their brain's so tiny. Uh, but it's true. You can build a relationship with them, and they want to have one with you. So when I drove up and she would do that, the whole herd would come because all of them are natural, drawn to having affection and, you know, wanting to be touched and all that stuff. So she would lead the herd over. But once we would get there, Kim would go with me at times, um, she would try and push everyone else away from me. She had scars all over her body from fighting with everybody. I was, like, worried about her. I was like, I like perfection. Would you knock it off? I don't want any of those notches on you, you know? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I have a little issues there, as you just heard. But um, So these guys want to come to me, and she'd be like, no, get away, no, get away, no, get away. Now, we would try and pet all of them, but I wanted my time with her, and she wanted all of them to leave me alone because, in her mind, I belonged to her. See, what we were learning as we discovered each other in this relationship is she's what they call an alpha mare. So, like, she's the boss, and she's taking charge of the herd. And so in her little mind, and I don't mean just because it's a small brain, and she was young, but in her little mind, she was like, uh, y'all need to back off because this belongs to me and everything about him and what he does belongs to me and none of y'all get it. That's what she was doing. Now that's the horse interpretation of the experience that was going on and it's actual and it's real. So here's what's going on. When you have an alpha mare and every herd has one, she's the leader of the herd. And the way that you will recognize her in any herd is if you go out and let's just say you have 10 horses there and you throw some hay on the ground 
and you're trying to feed all of them, so you're going to end up with 10 individual piles eventually, but you just throw the first one in. Everybody wants to eat, so they all come, but there's this one that won't let anyone else get there. She's it. <laughs> we have now identified the alpha mare. The ears go back on her head, and it's flat, and she like sticks her head out a little bit with her lips, and she's telling them, like, back off, everybody, and they do. They back off because they know that she's the boss. And so they all back off and they give her space and she starts to eat. Throw the next pile in and what happens is the exact same thing happens with number two. Not the alpha, but number two. She tells everybody back, all ten have their place. And they all have a pecking order in that herd. And they all know it. Okay, now what happens is alpha over here spurs eating she looks over and sees my wife's horse's name, Angel. She's over there eating. She's like, I want what you got. She gets up, walks over here. She doesn't get up. She just turns. She's already up. She walks over and puts her ears back and says, bug off. I'm eating your stuff. And she does. So what does she do? She circles around and she comes back and eats what she was eating. Now, if there was 10 of them, like literally, you can watch this happen. If you had 10 horses in the pasture, you could watch the domino effect. As every one of them pushes somebody off their pile and they recycle. I mean, it's all the same stuff. That's when you know their brain's only that big, right? It's like, you guys, come on, man. But they do it, and they'll spin around and do it again. And it goes on the whole time they eat. That whole cycle's going on. But the key thing is, is we're identifying who we are, and we see that. Some have natural leadership ability. The alpha mare's not always the biggest. She's not always the prettiest. She's not always the smartest. She just is who she is, and she knows it. And so does everybody around her. And so she takes the leadership and makes these decisions. Now, here's what's going on. See, when she does these types of things, if you're watching uh, a wild herd of horses, let's just say if you wanted to go out, we've seen them. We went, Kim and I was a thrill of my life to go to Wyoming and see actual wild horses in action. And so like, if you see a line of horses walking, you can do it in a pasture of any kind of horses, wild or I don't care who it is. When a horse begins to walk, there'll be a string of them. And they'll line up, uh, nose to tail. Guarantee you the first horse is a mare and she's the alpha. Everybody in that herd knows she's out for our benefit. We trust her. She's going to lead us to food, shelter, water, safety. Everything's going on. That doesn't mean she's not going to get in their case. They just trust her. They're following her because she's a natural leader. All right? And this is what goes on. So... I, I look at this and it's like pretty cool because you see that pecking order of things and you watch them and you know this. So I love that attitude and spur. It's one of the things that I love about her more than her looks is that kind of like, oh no, I'm in charge, not you attitude. I love it. It's like a natural leadership thing that is, is really cool. But as I watch that domino effect happen and I'm watching what's going on, I want you all to understand something in this. Natural leaders will attract followers. Jesus sees Peter, says, you're the man. I'm going straight for you. Now that I have you, let's go. And what happens? They all just fall in line. Let's go, let's go, let's go. God knows what he's doing. See, and as that progression happens, the leadership calls for followers and they begin to follow so now when we look at this in the scriptures and we're talking about this you know it's that that surrender moment where peter's like yeah if you say so now god shows up and it's like oh you do say so you're it i'm done no longer am i the take charge guy i surrender everything I'm, I'm done with all my life choices. I've built my life to this place, to this point. I'm a business guy. I've got my fishing stuff going down. I got everything. Nope, I'm all done. I'm all yours, whatever you want. You see that surrender thing and how that impact spread from Peter into the other lives. It's amazing how God does this. Now, this is what we want to talk about in this moment then. Church, there are people in your life that are like that. There's natural leaders and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to point them out to us and for us to reach them with the gospel. We want the Holy Spirit to lead, but we want to find those types of people that have influence. And I want you to know that everybody has influence over somebody. Everybody. Remember how I talked about the domino effect? 
Everybody had influence. Maybe it wasn't the same influence as this one, but every one of them had influence all the way to the bottom. So you have influence over someone, so let's use that influence the way God is giving it to you so that you can affect the lives around you for the glory of God and see life transformation and others to follow. It's critical for us to take that lead that God is talking to us about. Now, I'm going to go back to to Spur for a minute, and I've talked to you guys about the round pen a lot of times in the past. So this is where uh, the surrender needs to happen when you're dealing with horses. So I bring Spur home. She's used to being the boss, and in her little mind, she still thinks she owns me. Something has to change now. She has to understand that I'm the leader and not her. Now, that's not easy for her because she's used to bossing everybody around and getting her way. So when you're young, you tend to do that. A lot of young Christians think that too. It takes a moment of truth for us to understand it's not about us and we're not in charge and we have to surrender and it's just not about how I feel. Okay, so now I got her in the round pen and I have a whip, which I never hit the horse with, just so everybody understands a whip. It's just a crack to move. It's an extension of my body and I have it on this side in this hand and it's like a horse's tail because it speaks a language. So she's standing here in the round pen, and I'm like, you need to move, girl, crack, move. And she's standing there looking at me. I'm like, no, you need to move. So then I go at her like this to push her, and then she'll run. Like it's a natural thing. They're a prey animal, so they want to run from a predator. We have our eyes in the front of our head. We're going to eat them. They run, right? So she runs even though she's not like, oh, okay, whatever you want. No, it's like I'm getting away from you. That's the reason she runs. She's not like, whatever you say, sir. No, it's like, get away from me. So she runs. But you have them in a round pen because they can't get away. And no matter what they do, you're always there. So she's running in the circle, right? Now I tell her, I want you to switch. So I switch hands with the whip. I step away, and I'm cracking over here like, turn around and go that way. Well, she's not going to turn around and go that way because she's running this way. So I have to run in front of her, and I do that like this. Hey, get, 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 get. So she slams on the brakes, sliding in the dirt, turns around to run the other way, and when she does, she kicks in the air, right? And what she's saying right there is, I don't want to turn. I'm turning because you're an obstacle in my way, but I'm kicking at you because I'd love to kick your teeth out. (laughs) So you see, it's one of those surrenders like if you say so exactly what she was doing. If you say so, I'll turn around, but screw you in the process, right? So she is now going in the direction I tell her, but it's not because she's willingly surrendering to it. She just had to because I was in the way. All right. So now she's going in the other direction. Keep running her in that direction, and then I'll invite her to stop. But I don't stop her until I see a signal from her. We'll switch directions and switch directions, and I'll keep her moving until she gives me this one signal. And if you've ever worked with horses, you know what it is. When they're going around, their head's up. They're very full of themselves. They're good to run. The first cue is that the ear turns towards me. And now it's listening. And you'll notice the head begins to turn a little bit in because now the eye is on me. And so she's listening and she's looking. And what she's now doing is seeing that, okay, you're in charge. Now I'm watching you. I'm listening for what you're saying. And then there's the next key is everything. She drops her head. When they bow their head, it's, I love it. Like I, like I said this in the last service, every time I talk about it, I get chills, and I do. And when the horse does it, I get chills. And it's, it's that body posture that says I surrender. And so when her head goes down, I know immediately that she has now submitted to my leadership and she has found her place. So I don't keep her running, right? I'm not going to keep driving her now. We've accomplished the mission. So instead, I invite her in. So I stop driving her. I drop that stuff down to the ground. I stand there, and I'm like, come here. So I want to reward that submission by allowing her to come to me because prior to this, I'm not letting her come to me. I'm just driving her. She needs to understand that everything that that happens in her life comes from me. She's a follower, and I'm a leader. Now I invite her in. Now I would love to tell you that she just immediately stopped and pranced into me and said, whatever you say, sir. But remember, she's an alpha mare. So she stopped. Thank God he's not making me move anymore and just stands there looking at me. You know, like, dude, you are driving me crazy, right? It's not any of this love feelings in that moment. It's just like, finally, you're seeing it my way. You quit driving me. So what do I do? 
right there, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to entice her. So I'm going to get down on one knee because I want to be lower than her. So I'm not intimidating like a predator. I'm going to invite her and I'm going to reach in my pocket because I've got something for her that she wants. And I'm going to invite her in. And when I do that, she'll usually come for food because she's got a brain that big. And she's like, I want that. She doesn't care about me. But I'm teaching her something that if you do what I ask, there's a reward at the end. I don't treat her today. I don't give her treats. She stopped getting treats the first you know, a few times we did that. No longer do I reach in my pocket. No longer do I kneel down. I don't meet her on her terms. Now I stand and say, come in, and I'm inviting you, and she comes. So look, church, I want you to see this. This is what Jesus did for all of us. He came, he came down on our level, gave himself for us, and invited us into relationship. And some of us have been running around him, ignoring him, and he's still inviting us in. He's offered us something. Look what he did for Peter. He's like, I'm going to do something for you. If you just do what I say, come to me. And he gave him two boatloads of fish. <laughs> God wants to do something in your life. If you will submit to him, if you will surrender and do what he asks, God wants to bless you. He does. He wants to do something for you because he has a plan for you in your life. Now, as we move along in this progression of this relationship with her, and I'm doing these things with her, um, she is now 10 years old, like I mentioned, and so um, we have established a relationship. I absolutely love her, but she still has that alpha mare thing in her, right? She's still like, she is the leader of leaders, but she follows me. So what happens in the realm plan once they surrender to you is that I don't have to put a halter on her. I don't have to ask her. Once she does that and she sees me as a leader, all I got to do is walk and she'll come and naturally stand right here and her head will be right here and she'll walk with me. So if I turn, she'll turn. If I go this way, she'll go this way. If I stop, she'll stop. So like she's saying like, I trust you. I'm following your lead. This is what Jesus is asking us to do. Follow him. Follow his lead, walk when he says walk, stop when he says stop, turn when he says turn. Man, we suck at this. So this is what happens, because most of us have these alpha tendencies in us. I'll go to the pen to get her out. I invite her over. She comes because she wants to get out and do different things. I put a halter on her. She turns her head towards me to get the halter on her, and I put it on. I open the gate, and I invite her to come with me. Well, every once in a while, she doesn't want to come with me. She wants to go and not let me lead. So she will begin to prance in front of me. I already know right now that she's full of herself, that she doesn't see me as her leader, and she's going to tell me where she wants to go, right? That's not going to work. It doesn't work that way, and it can't work that way. Church, please understand that. Stop jumping in front of Jesus and telling him where you want to go. Slow your roll and let him lead. I don't care what you feel inside or how antsy you are or how pent up you feel like you've been and you're finally getting an opportunity to do something, slow down. Let him lead. Because you know what she does when she does that? She gets to visit the round pen again. In other words, you're not going nowhere. All right, you're not doing what you want to do. You're not getting to go where you want to go because you're trying to get in charge again. So even though I had other plans, you just changed the plan, and now it's about you submitting to me. Let's go. So now I'm going to take her, and she's prancing along the sides of me and doing this, and I'll let her prance around me like, okay, you're going to have plenty of energy. You're going to need it. Let's go. We head to the round pen, and I take that thing off her, and she knows the routine, right? So sometimes she'll start running, but it's because she's full of herself, and I didn't tell her to. And I'm like, go ahead, burn it all up you want to because you're going to be sweating in a few minutes and you're going to wish you had saved that energy. <laughs> Get out there, go, we do the whole routine again. And I'm telling you right now that it's like, I don't know how often it is, I should start marking it down. But when this all happens, it's like she flashes back to the be in charge person and she's like going around in a circle and I'll say, all right, come on in. And she'll just stop and look at me like, Who's in charge now? <laughs> she doesn't come running into me like, oh, I want you to pet me. I know you're my master. She stops running and just looks at me. 
And sometimes she'll just turn and look in the other direction. And in horse language, that is screw you. I don't care who you are. That's for real. It is. It's just like you don't exist in my world. So you know what the reward is for that, right? Well, then start running. Church, please, man, would you knock it off? Why in the world are we content with doing things our way when we never get anywhere? We're just doing this, doing this, and then we're ignoring God, and we're just like, you don't exist right now because I have other plans. It's like, I don't care what your plans are. God doesn't care what your plans are. He's calling us to follow him, and he's got a plan, and as soon as we submit to it, we can actually go places and do things the way God designed us and wants us to do. Quit it. Man, he's amazing. So every once in a while, no matter how long you've been a Christian, I want you to know God's going to bring you to a place for another opportunity to surrender, trust, and obey. Because a lot of us get confident in who we are, even in our walk with Christ. And we think we got it all figured out, and we've got the routine. And God's like, yeah, not really. <laughs> None of us have arrived. And so he calls us to these moments in our life. Even if you've been walking with God for 50 years, you don't have it figured out. And he's like, stop. You need to surrender right now and understand who's in lead. Because oftentimes, church, we get stagnant in our walk and we do the same routines and we do the same stuff and we just kind of exist as a follower of Christ rather than an actual follower of Christ. I want you to know God wants to do new things in your life. He is not like just stuck in some old routine and say, finally, I got them doing the pattern. Let's keep it up. No, God wants to do new things in your life. Do you understand that? I mean, he's amazing. Let him bring you to new places and new encounters and new experiences because he's amazing. And he wants to do that with you, not for you, not send you, with you. He wants to lead you into the places that he has planned for us. So every once in a while, I don't care who you are, including myself, we need a trip to the altar, a reminder of who's in charge. An invitation to surrender, trust, and obey. It's like, yes, God, you are in charge. You're it. It's not me. Now, let's assess right now where we are in the pecking order of the herds around us. Because of what I want us all to see, and God wants us to see today, is every one of us are in herds, and we're in multiple herds. We are. And I'm using that terminology on purpose because you have a family herd, you have a work herd, a school herd, uh, a store herd. You know what I'm saying? Like Facebook, social media herd. We are in herds all around our life. And we are to be using the influence and the leadership that God has placed inside of us to influence the people around us. You have kids and grandkids. Man, it's so important, church, that we understand that the most important thing you and I can do for our kids and our grandkids is to lead them to Jesus. It drives me crazy that so many people want their kids to have a better life than them. So we try and build into them professionally and we let the spiritual side of things slack a little bit. I don't care what your kids or grandkids become. If they're not followers of Christ, we failed. Church, I'm being seriously. Just, it's, they have a will and they have to make a choice. I get it. Don't misunderstand what I'm seeing. But if that influence and that possibility of leading them to be a follower of Christ by our own following Christ is not embedded in them, where will it come from? Let's be the influence that God has asked us to be. You've got a little herd. Lead them. Lead them into submission to Christ. And as you follow Christ, they will naturally follow you because you are their leader. Stop letting your kids and your grandkids lead you. Oh, for Pete's sakes, quit that. Be the leader, a spiritual leader. You can't tell me how many conversations throughout the years as a pastor that I've heard parents say, you know, my kids don't want to come to church, so they're at home. And I'm like, what in the world? Are you kidding me? If they live under your house, you're the leader. Tell them they're going. I don't care. Do you, do you give them that option on Monday to go to school? I would have never went to school. Are you, never did I wake up like, oh, can I go to school today? Are you kidding me? If I had a choice, I would have never went. Why do we do that with God? Well, I don't want to cram religion down their throats. Like, seriously? I want to cram feed them Jesus as often as I can. All right, we'll leave that alone. 
Move on. <laughs> no, you can... Mm, yeah, anyway, let's lead. Let's not follow. So you have coffee shop herds. You got store herds. You got school. You understand you have influence. Let's, let's be a leader over those that God has allowed us to influence. You may not be the leader, but you are a leader. Somewhere in the line, use your godly influence where you are and influence everyone you can with the gospel. So now, let's take this another level as Christians and asking everybody here to begin to pray and ask God to open your eyes to the Peters in your life. There are Peters in our life. There are. There are people that have natural leadership ability that people follow. And some of them are corrupt and evil and bad, and yet they have followers. Let's begin to ask God to open up our eyes to who those people are and ask God to give us opportunities by the Holy Spirit's guidance to begin to intentionally reach them with the gospel. Do you understand if we can reach them? Just think about this. If you have a parent or a grandparent that is not following Christ and they are a strong leader in your family, just think of what would happen if they said yes to Jesus. Seriously, think about it. So let's stop being shy with the gospel because we don't want to offend the family leader and start praying and asking God for opportunities to encroach in their life with the gospel and be the light we've been called to be so that that influence that they have would actually begin to project Jesus to the entire family. Workplaces, every place we're talking about. Stop praying against the government leaders. Start praying for the government leaders and ask God to save their soul. What could happen if we saw an absolute life transformation of those in governmental positions they surrendered to Jesus? Seriously, think about it. Like, we don't even imagine that. We'd rather talk bad about them than pray for them. Church, let's see what God wants to do. Let's begin to target these people with prayer, intentionality, and let the Spirit of God lead us to those boat moments where God has an opportunity to show up and change their life. So, here's your verse now. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Um, just to reiterate something to you, you are not a secret agent for Jesus. <laughs> Stop being seeker sensitive and trying not to offend people. Jesus just said the whole world should see you. You are to be seen. But it's not you that's being seen. It's the light in you. And therefore, Jesus Christ should be shining out from you and the people all around you should see Jesus in you. All right? It's like enough of this secret garbage that's going on and us trying not to offend people. And let's offend them with the gospel, not in our flesh, but Holy Spirit-led witnessing to people that God himself has already ordained to have a moment where they come into that interaction with the Savior. Let's be intentional about this, church. See, when Jesus calls us, he doesn't say like, you know, would you just nonchalantly begin to follow me? And let's slide over here where we're in the shadows and nobody can see it. And we're just kind of moseying on along here. Listen to what Jesus said to us. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than yourself? You see what, that, I mean, man, oh man, what is God saying to us? He's like, church, this is an all-in thing. Remember when Peter got out and he's like, whoa, I have no business being around you. And he's like, yeah, it's okay. You're going to start following me. He's like, I'm all in. Walking away from my boat, my nets, my business plan, my career, everything. Now, I'm not telling you to walk away from your job, so don't walk out of here and like, ooh, yeah, God told me to quit my job. No, no, listen. <laughs> It's an all-in following of Jesus is what he's after. All-in. No holding back. This is a life-calling church. We're called to a complete surrender, trust, and obedience to whatever the Holy Spirit is saying in our lives. It's time for us to step in. Jesus is not going to just simply follow us on our life journey. He is our leader. 
We are called to serve him, and we're called to follow. Every once in a while, we just need a reminder of who's in charge, and today's the day. God's just saying, like, hello, I'm the one in the center of the pen, and you're the one running. (laughs) I'm not running. I'm standing here, and you're just doing this. You want to stop? All you got to do is surrender. Bow the head. Humble yourself. Come to him and meet him on his terms. And then God can do what he wants. Amen. Would you stand with me? Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Man, he is the answer. I want you to know. You've been looking around and you've been trying different stuff and you think you've found stuff. No, he's it. You need him. If you're a follower of Jesus and you kind of been doing this thing and you kind of maybe lost sight of what you're doing and why you're doing it, you know, this is the moment of that surrender, trust, and obedience that he's calling us to where it's just a reminder. He's in charge. We're not. Would you just come to him? Like, this is, I don't get, like, any rewards because you come to the altar, just so you know. Nobody, I don't have, like, these bonuses or people like, whoa, you get another certificate. Don't care. Church, this is a moment where we open the altar and say, you know, it's time for us to actually do what God's asking us to do. This is the bow of the head moment where we're like, yes, and we come to him. Would you do that? The altar is open. Just submit to him and come. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you, if the invitation has been given, if the hand is out and saying, come here, it's there for you. Please hear him. Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and we're so grateful for you, Lord. Thank you for that incredible invitation you've given to us that... We do it our way. We always get those scars and messed up stuff, Lord. If we just surrender to you and let you take charge, we end up with a full boat. So please help us to stop doing it our way and doing our thing and just surrender to you and everything that you have for us. God, that's all we want. God, that's all I want. It's you, Lord. That's all I want. Whatever you have for us, whatever your will is, whatever your plan, we ask for your will to be done in all things.